Well, good morning, church. Hey, I don't know about you, but after a song like that, I'm ready to go. All right, so hopefully you're where I'm at. If not, we're going to have to catch up. All right. Uh, we started last week, if you weren't here with us, a new series called How Faith Works. We're looking at how we get our faith that is sometimes up here to come out through our hands. And Andrew asked us this question last week, and I want to reiterate it. Does your faith work? Does your faith work? It's great that we all show up here on Sunday and we put on our Sunday best and that's good that your faith works here, but does it work when you leave this room? That's what we want to look at through the book of James. James gives us some very direct uh, instructions and in how to live. And so we're going to continue to do that. But before we do, we're going to look at verse five, which tells us that if we need wisdom to ask. And so we're going to do that as we start because we're going to need it today. Let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you. And thanks uh, for just gathering us together. And this morning, as we worship you, uh, we take to heart that you won't. You won't fail us. You won't give up on us. You'll never leave us nor forsake us. You'll never turn your back on us. And we are so, so, so grateful for that this morning. Holy Spirit, we need wisdom. We need wisdom to understand the difference between the two things we'll be talking about this morning. We need wisdom in order to stand in the face of them. We need wisdom to become more like you. And so we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would speak because we're listening. We love you, Jesus. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Hey, we got a lot of ground to cover, so open your Bibles to James chapter 1. Um, we're going to jump straight in this morning. I know that's a little different for me, uh, but we got a lot to get through. So here we go. James chapter 1, verse 12 tells us this. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. We're going to stop right there. We're going to read it again. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Now, per Andrew kind of teaches us how to read the Word of God, we've got to pay attention to some things about Scripture. And if you read James quickly, you're going to miss this. There's a difference between testing and temptation. That's why James calls out both of them. And he tells us, and this is the first promise that he gives us this morning, he gives us a couple of them. Uh, the first one is that God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. You will be blessed if we do what we're talking about this morning, okay? That's not for me, that's straight from the word of God. We will be blessed. And so I want to distinguish between these two because we need to understand the difference in order to be able to handle them correctly in our walk with Christ day to day, okay? One of them uh, comes from outside of us. One of them comes from inside. One is motivated by uh, us becoming righteous. One's motivated by deceiving us. Un unrighteous, right? Well, one of them is, is something that comes from God and one comes uh, from Satan. And so as we look at these two things, I want to distinguish between the two. So we're going to take the first one first, and that's testing. And so per verse 12, God blesses those who patiently endure testing. Now, what is testing? We look back to James uh, chapter 1 verse 2, which Andrew read for us last week. It says, that uh, it is anything, right? Not anything, it doesn't say anything, excuse me. When troubles of any kind come your way. And so troubles can be anything out there. Troubles can be a lost family member. Troubles uh, can be, uh, you know, when you lose your job. It can be when you face difficulty with a family member. It can be not being able to afford eggs, right? Like, 
Did you catch that? Nobody else? Nobody's been shopping this week? Okay, good. Just me. All right. Uh, they're expensive. I'm going to start. I'm going to get chickens. I'm going to sell eggs. So if you need eggs, just come to me. I'm your dealer. All right. Right? It could be if you lose a, 20, you lose a football game after being ahead by 27 points in a wild card. Right? Like, there are troubles all over the place. Now, I say that jokingly, but the truth is, that's when troubles of any kind come your way. It could be a flat tire. It could be a difficult relationship. It can be your computer not working, right? It can be anything. And what James is telling us is it's a test. Verse three says, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. And oftentimes this takes us to this question in our culture today. We hear this, I hear this a lot. Like how could God who's loving, allow something like this to happen to me? And I think you know this because I've said it before. Like, I, I can't stand that question. And the reason I can't stand it is because I think it's a, it's a question that comes from a lack of understanding the Bible. And I would go as far as this to say, and I don't want to be offensive, but if you struggle with this idea that God tests us, I'm not sure you know the God I know. I'm not sure you know the God of the Old Testament. Because if you read the Old Testament, what do you see over and over and over? God testing his people, whom he loves dearly, all right? And so I wanna show you that this morning. And the best way to do that is just to show you scripture. So uh, keep your finger in James and turn back to, with me to Genesis. We're gonna go all the way back to the beginning, all right? Old school this morning. Uh, Genesis chapter two. All right, here is the setting. The setting is Garden Eden. The characters are God, Adam, Eve, and the topic is uh, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, okay? It says this in verse 15 of chapter two of Genesis. The Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat of the uh, fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. What is that? It's a test. It's God putting us in the garden, giving us everything that we need, but saying this one is off limits. I don't know if you saw these videos. This was a couple years ago, but like you have your kids and you bring them in and you give them like two M&Ms and then you leave and you tell them and when you get back, if they haven't ate those two M&Ms, they get a full package and it's like, you know, you watch, and then you just record the kids. It was like my favorite videos to watch, right? Because some of the kids are just like staring at them like, Staring a hole into them, you know? And then some of them are like, they don't even wait three seconds. Just, whoop, whoop, they're gone, right? Come back, like, where'd they go? I don't know where they went. Like, you know, where's the rest? You know, so like, it's a test. And God puts Adam and Eve there and says, you can't eat of this one. What happens? We eat of that one. And every day since, you and I have been affected by that. It's called our sin nature. We've inherited that over time. Sin has affected us ever since. We're not, we'll get to that in a second. But think about this. Think about the Old Testament. Okay, you have Abraham. Abraham grew old, um, his wife Sarah, and he both old. And God comes to him and says, I, I, I'm gonna give you descendants as numerous as the, as the stars in the sky and the sand and the beach. He's like, but I don't have, I don't have a son. I was like, no, no, you're good. But when I get back here this next, next year, Sarah's going to have, and you, I don't know if you read this before, but like Sarah hears that from the tent and laughs. God's like, why is she laughing? 
It's like, like, shh, quiet, you know, like, you know, like, stop it. And what happens? They have a son. Then what happens? God says, take him up onto the mountain and sacrifice him. Wait a second, how am I supposed to sacrifice my one and only son and still have all these descendants? Is what I'd be thinking. That's not what Abraham was thinking. Because see, Abraham walked up there, had his son carry the wood, built the altar. Dad, where's, where's the lamb that we're gonna sacrifice? God will provide it, son. Then he picks his son up, ties him up, and puts him up onto the altar and raises the knife, and God stops him. Why? Because he's found faithful. Because he believed God at his word. He didn't have the wisdom to understand how this was going to work. But God did. And what does God provide in the thicket? He provides a bowl in the thicket. Why? Because I want you to notice this because I'm going to make this point a couple of times. God's blessing is on the other side of our testing. It's not, listen, this is how you and I would like it. If you're going to be honest, be honest with me this morning. I want to be blessed first and then I'll go face the tests. Okay, like tell me it's gonna be good and then I'll go deal with that, all right? That's not how it works. You are tested first and then the blessing comes because the test is to see, does your faith work? Are you really gonna trust my wisdom? Are you gonna turn to me and ask me for wisdom when it's time? But you see, here's my default. I don't know about you, men, this might be more of a man problem in here, but I'm like, hey, Jesus, hold this Bible, I got this. Why would I ever do that? Why would I not turn to him first? He has the wisdom. And yet we do it over and over and over. Think about Noah. I don't know if you get this, how crazy this is. God asked Noah to build a boat. And at this point, most commentators would agree, it had never rained. God had taken care of the land by the springs from, that came up from the ground. So there's no river that's ever even run out of its boundaries yet. And God says, I need you to build me a boat. Not just a small boat. I don't know if you've ever been to the ark. That's a big boat. Okay, he built a big boat. That's got to hold all the animals and all his family. And so Abraham, what's he do? He builds the boat. He boards the boat. And what happens after he gets off it? He's blessed by the boat. He's blessed after the test. The test came. You're going to really believe me that it's going to rain so much that it's going to flood the entire earth. And he did. He believed it. Noah, it says, is the only blameless man living on earth at that time. Man, these, these titles of characters are tough for me to swallow because another one is, is Job. And Job, it says, blameless, a man of complete integrity. He feared God and stayed away from evil. And now, I'm just gonna throw this out there. Some of you know the story of Job and you're thinking, how are you gonna work this one out, right? Because there's, is there testing or is it, is it tempting? Here's, here's what I wanna tell you. Notice who the conversation is at the beginning of Job. It's between God and Satan. Satan, what have you been up to? I've been out patrolling the land. It's basically what he says, right? Because what's, what's Satan's end goal? John 10, 10 tells us to come and steal, kill, and destroy, right? And so he's gotta go around figuring out where he's gonna kill, steal, and destroy. God knows that, notice God is allowing him to do that because God knows ultimately I'm under control here, big guy, right? But what's he do? He comes back and God says, have you noticed my servant Job? And he says those words I just read, blameless, man of complete integrity, avoids evil. Satan's like, well, of course he does. He's rich. He's got a family. He's got goats. He's got cows. He's got servants. 
Take that all away from him and see if he still blesses your name. But notice, Satan isn't the one who does that. Who takes all that away from him? God does. God is testing Job. And at the end of Job, what does Job say? God gives and he takes away. Blessed be your name. And even at the end of Job, um, I'd encourage you. I would encourage you to go back and read Job 38 to 42. Because if you're like me, I like to challenge the Lord. I like to challenge anybody, right? Like, I'm, I'm, that's, I'm fight or flight, let's fight, let's go, right? That's me, 100%. And God starts to ask Job, uh-oh, so I took too much from you. Or were you, oh, you want to be in control. Oh, so were you there when I hung the stars in the sky? Oh, wait, wait, Job, were you there when I made the land the expanse that it was? Oh, were you there when I breathed life into man the first? No, you weren't, right? No, you weren't. It goes on for like three chapters. I read it often because I need to be humbled often, right? But in 42, it says this in verse 10. Then Job prayed for his friends and the Lord restored his fortunes. In fact, the Lord gave him twice as much as he had before. Why? Because the blessing is on the other side of the testing. We're tested to see if our faith works and if we will be faithful. And so the question is, the next time you're tested, will you be found faithful? Now, I would go as far as to say this. God is the one who tests us. Satan is the one who tempts us. I think that is true. I've wrestled with that a lot this past week. I've talked to a couple of other pastors. I think we're good there, okay? But maybe you don't agree with that, and that's okay. Well, you can wrestle with that and show me biblically where I'm wrong, all right? So I, I, I was thinking about this, and as I make this transition from testing to tempting, because we've got to look at tempting now, Okay? And this past week, uh, we were playing some games one night, uh, just me and my two kiddos, my wife was at a meeting, and, and I said, hey, kids, I'm teaching on tempting this week. Do either of you have a great story that I could use to tell when I'm talking about tempting? And I kid you not, my son, deadpan face, looked at me and goes, dad, that seems like a story you need to tell about yourself. <laughs> like, thanks, son. I mean, like, as quick as could be, right? Like, you ain't telling no stories about me being tempted, <laughs> like... Hey, having to tell a story on yourself, Ooh, you know, like, uh, all right, well, uh, I'm not going to do that. So uh, we'll just keep moving on into tempting, all right? I could tell you story after story, but that's not what we're here for. All right, let's go back to James chapter 1, verse 12, because I want to make sure we hit that testing, because he talked about, Andrew kind of led into some of that last week and talked about some of that last week, but the rest of... Of, of 12 through 18 is about tempting. So let me start over in verse 12. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. And we, out of all of creation, became his prized possession. 
Now listen, when it comes to tempting, there's, between tempting and, tempt, and, and, and testing, there's a couple things that are the same. One, it will happen. Right? The when, Andrew talked about it last week. Not if, when you face trouble. It's the same thing. When you face temptations. We are a sinful people who like what's wrong. If you don't believe that, let's take a trip down to the two-year-olds. You must ask, tell them that they cannot have M&Ms, but show them to them. What will they say? No! Do you understand how to like, teach my son how to say yes? I never taught him how to say no. I think Satan gave that to him from birth. No, no. Like, stop screaming no at me. Say yes. I don't know how. You know, like we just don't. We have this bent towards what is wrong. So it'll happen for you, right? The, the, the blessing is on the other side of our tempting. Same thing. Blessing is on the other side of our testing. Blessing is on the other side of our Tempting. And that if we do that, God will provide for us. If we face those boldly, he'll provide in the midst of them. It's about growing our faith. And so here's what I want to make sure the distinction is. And this is why it's so important for us to understand this. Testing comes from God and it's to prove that our faith works. Tempting is from Satan and it is just straight up evil to derail us. And we'll read that in the passage. It says what? It, it, sinful, it comes from our own sinful desires. Temptation comes from our own sinful desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful action, and that sin, allowed to grow, gives birth to death. And there's, a, there's a process to it. It's not just like you go from this to that. And if I had more time, I'd teach you about the process, but I don't have time for that right now, so that's another sermon for another day. But... What, what, there's no other better place to go than to scripture again to show you this. So keep your finger in James and go back with me to Genesis. Let's go back to the same story we just read, okay? Adam and Eve, verse 16. But the Lord God warned him, you may eat freely the fruit of every tree in the garden except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It, if you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. Now, understand this. Right after that, who shows up on the scene? Satan shows up, right? The serpent shows up. And he starts to ask questions. And that's what he does. You see, he asks us questions to do what? To steal, kill, and destroy. Now, read this with me. It's uh, on in ver- chapter 3, and it's verse, um, sorry. That's 3, verse 3. There we go. This is Eve responding to Satan. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. Now, what I want you to do in your Bible is circle or even touch it, okay? Let me read what God actually said again. So back to chapter two. You may freely eat of the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. It doesn't sound the same, does it? Eve says, you may not eat of it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. There's a difference. What's the difference? Satan shows up and starts to question whether Eve remembers what God actually said. Oh, sure. You will not surely die, exclamation point, from God. Satan shows up and says, you won't die? Question mark. What does Eve do? Eve misremembers. All of a sudden, Eve's like, well, no, you're not allowed to eat it. Well, you're not allowed to touch it either. You can't touch it either, or you might die. 
See, that's what Satan does to us. He shows up to confuse us. He shows up and takes something that was an exclamation point and he, he removes the exclamation point and puts a question mark. In fact, I'm getting ahead of myself and I know that on my slides back there in the back, so just stick with me here, right? J.D. Greer says this, Satan puts a question mark in your life where God's put an exclamation mark. Satan wants to show up and confuse you, derail you, tempt you. And here's the deal, in our day and age, it's not very hard. You know how easy it is to derail me? A sprinkler head goes off malfunctions. That's how easy it is, right? Please laugh at that. We're still trying to laugh at that. I'm not really laughing at that. I'm still mad about that. Anyways, moving on, right? And the question is, is when you're tested, when you're tempted, where do you turn? That's the question I've been asking myself this week. When you are tested, when you are tempted, where do you turn? Because if you're like me, I turn to myself. I turn to what I can accomplish and what I can do. You know, we kind of take on this, this victim mentality of like, oh, how in the world could God do this? How could he lead me to this? How could he allow this to happen to one of my loved ones? How could, doesn't he know? Yeah, he does. The question is, where are you gonna turn? Are you gonna turn to yourself? Or are you going to turn to him? It tells us in verse 3, if you, excuse me, nope, not verse 3, verse 5, in James 1, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he'll give it to you. If you need, Romans tells us, Paul says, if he's, not will, if he's willing to give us his own son, how will he not also give us everything else? Including whatever you need to face the testing, including whatever you need to face the temptation. Now listen, I was home for Christmas um, at my uh, in-law's house. And literally, I'm not kidding, I said this already once, but like my mom, my mother-in-law just makes good meals so that we'll just sit around the table and talk for hours. It's like her trick. Like, you know, she wants us all to hang out with her and so she makes really good food and then we all sit around the table and hang out with her and we talk about things. But we got on this topic, okay? About out of all the kids sitting at the table, this was just us adult kids, okay? Not like our little kids. Um, who had like this derail of like being unruly and just like this sinful bent and, and got off track in high school or college? We literally were going around sharing about how we had done this and how it happened to everybody. Everybody in the room, okay? And even, even my sweet wife and her twin sister, they had a little derail time there in high school. You can ask about it sometime. Anyways, um, good luck, uh, right? But my wife's older sister didn't. My wife's older sister never did. And it was so funny because we got around to her and we're like, somebody, I don't remember who it was, said, how did you make it through high school and college and not fall off the wagon? And without hesitation, she said, I hid his word in my heart. I hid his word in my heart. When I was tempted, I knew scripture. I could face that temptation. When I was tested, I knew scripture so that I knew what it was. I knew what it was. I'd hidden his word in my heart. And my question is, have you hidden his word in your heart when times of testing or temptation come your way? Who better to learn that from than Jesus? Turn with me, keep a finger in James, turn with me to Luke chapter four. Luke chapter four. 
tells us this in verse one. Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. Now let me pause. You know, remember this scene, right? Um, he's at the Jordan River. The Jordan River is where he was baptized. This is another sermon for another time. Jesus didn't need to be baptized. Why did Jesus need to be baptized? Anyways, I ain't got time to cover that, okay? Jesus baptized, and as he brought up back out of the water, what happens? God says from heaven, this is my son whom I'm well pleased. Man, I would have loved to be there. I don't know. Who in the heck is talking, right? This is my son who I'm well pleased. As soon as he comes up out of the Jordan River, what happens? He was led by the spirit in the wilderness. He was led into the 40 days and 40 nights we know as the temptation of Jesus. But I think we missed something here, right? He was led into the wilderness by who? The spirit, by God. God took him into the wilderness, why? To test him. It start his immediate ministry. This is the beginning of his ministry. And what did it start with? God testing him and taking him to the wilderness. 40 days, 40 nights without food, without companionship, without people. Into the wilderness. Now wilderness, sometimes they think about trees. And that. No, this was just straight dry, okay? Like dry Sahara desert-like wilderness that he was in. By himself. And then it tells us, verse two, where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing at all at that time and became very hungry. Now, this is just Lance's interpretation. This is my thought. This is not, I haven't read any commentaries that say this. this is literally just what I think. I don't think Satan showed up on day one. I just don't think he did. I think Jesus was tested for 40 days and then Satan shows up, at, you know, 39 days and 12 and a half hours. Because I don't know about you, but, but does Satan test you when you're well slept? Does Satan test you when you're full and your belly's, you're, you're good, you're fed, you're well fed? Does t- Satan test you uh, when, when you have this fulfillment of all the people in your life, your friends and your family? No! He tests you when you're lonely. He tests you when you're tired. He tests you when you're angry and hungry. We have a word for that. It's called halt. If you never heard that before, get that in your, in your dictionary, in your mind. Hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. If you're two out of the four of those, you're, you're in trouble. If you're four out of the four, good luck. Good luck. Because we've got to start paying attention to ourselves. Jesus, I don't think Satan showed up on day one. I think he was waiting until Jesus was exhausted. And he shows up to do what? To tempt him. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God... Satan doesn't show up and say that so that Satan knows who he is. Satan shows up and asks that question so that Jesus would know whether or not he knows who he is. If you are the son of God, what is that? It's a question mark. In place of what? The exclamation point. This is my son whom I'm well pleased. Listen to me. He loves you. He sent his son to die for you. He gave you the Holy Spirit. He's continuing a good work into you until the day of completion where you're perfect, needing nothing. You are a son of God, exclamation point. There is no question mark there. You are a daughter of God, exclamation point. There's not a question mark. So stop asking it to yourself like that. Don't let him do that to you. If you are the son of God, 
Tell this stone to become a loaf of bread. I'm just gonna be straight up with you this morning. If that would have been me, I would have turned that into Greek's pizza breadsticks. <laughs> a whole loaf of them, okay? I'd have been done. I can't go 40 minutes without food. 40 days, who are you kidding? I'm hungry right now. But what does Jesus do? Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say, people do not live by bread alone. He had the word stored in his heart. And you say, but yeah, but he was God. So he just like, no, he left that part of himself to come to earth. He knew the scriptures. You remember when a small boy, where'd he get left? In the temple. I left my kid at Walmart. Not church, right? Like, should have left that one at church. All right, like, left him at church. He knew that's where he was supposed to be. He was reading the scriptures. He was learning them so that when he was tested, he was ready. Where did he turn? Not to his own strength. He turned to the word of God. Go back to James. James, verse 18. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. You want to know what the greatest tool you have when you get tempted? It's right here. The question is, do you have it in here? So that it'll come out right here. Does your faith work? Does your faith work? All right. I got to get back on track here. I had notes. Well, who cares? All right. Holy Spirit's moving. Let's just do this, all right? The blessing is on the other side of your testing and your temptation. But you've got to understand what those two things are. You have to understand how you're tempted. I talk to students about this a lot. You got to walk it back. You didn't all of a sudden just do the sin. There were things that led to it. We just read in this scripture in James that it's our own sinful desires that lead us away and drag us apart from God and lead to death. You gotta walk it back. Where did it start? How are you tempted? Now, this became more real to me than ever when I was in college. I took a lot of classes, I wrote a lot of papers. Um, one of my assignments was to read a book by C.S. Lewis called The Screwtape Letters. Some of you might know this book and be familiar with it, some of you might not. Um, it's basically 31 letters back and forth between a senior devil named Screwtape and a devil that's in training named Wormwood. And they ride back and forth, and this senior devil is training, mentoring this junior devil on the human that he's been assigned and how to tempt him and drag him away from God the Father. It's 31 letters back and forth. So I had to read the book, but that wasn't the hard part. The hard part was this. We had to write a 10-page paper that included at least five letters back and forth between the two about our own deepest sin issue and temptation. Our professor promised that he would read them for completion and not grade them, that we just had to complete the assignment and then he would take them and burn them in the backyard in his fire pit once he was done. I didn't trust him. I wrote it by hand. You wanna know how you're tempted? That's a great way to figure out. But what I learned from that was there are things that trigger me lead me. And you know what? It's so easy. It's just this one little thing. And what happens with my heart and my mind? I just wander over to it. I just move towards it. 
And the only way that I'm going to combat that is if I know Scripture, not just here, not just here, but actually use it and make it work. And for you and I, we're going to face testing and temptation. And the question is, where are you going to turn? And I beg you, I beg you to turn to the Word when you face times of testing and temptation. Because everything you need has been provided already in this. Let's begin making our faith work in a greater way this week. Let me pray for you. Jesus, thank you. Thanks for coming and setting an example for us. Thanks for coming and being baptized, being tempted and facing the cross in our place for our punishment, for our sinfulness. Most of all, God, thank you for what you've given us in your word. It's described as living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. It can separate bone from marrow. We use this in a real way in our lives to make our faith work. And Holy Spirit, we need you. We need wisdom. We need wisdom to know how to turn to you in the times of testing and the times of temptation and be able to tell the difference and to be able to turn to your word in the ways in which you want us to. We want to do that, but we need your help, Holy Spirit. And so we ask that you would come and help us to do that. Help us make our faith work so that we might change this world one person at a time by the example of us living out our faith. Jesus, we love you. We're so thankful for you. I'm gonna pray these things in your precious name. Amen.